Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hansen. And of course, it's Thursday night, and we're here to reveal Mormon-style polygamy and to bring news and updates on polygamist activity in our culture and to bring biblical truths to polygamists, hoping that they'll listen and that they'll hear and understand that polygamy never was God's idea. Of course, we have our co-host with us tonight, Earl Erskine. Thank you for coming. I'm I'm happy to be here. Let's talk just a tad about your show. We want any new viewers to know that you also have a show. And so just give them a short description of what you're doing and when. uh, It's called The Ex-Mormon Files on Friday night at uh, 8 o'clock and also on Tuesday night at 7.30. And we interview former Mormons who have transitioned into Christianity and found found the truth about the doctrine and history of the church and have come to realize that there's a biblical Jesus that they had never known before. So mm-hmm. I'm, it's been going very well. We've had wonderful responses and people that are searching and looking and uh-huh. thinking, I think. And so. it's, it's sometimes it gives to watch somebody else's story. It just gives mm-hmm. other people courage to, to realize to they're f- not alone. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. to, to continue on with their own yeah. search. So watch the Ex-Mormon Files uh, tomorrow night at 8 o'clock That's on right. this station, KTMW-TV 20. You know, a news item about a recent event involving the FLDS at a so-called repentance home in Idaho. We thought we would mention that first tonight. Uh, In July of 2014, which was only a couple of months ago, nine FLDS boys were discovered and removed from the home of Nathan C. Jessup in Pocatello, Idaho. Jessup had been charged with three misdemeanors, uh, the counts of child abuse. And two years ago, Nathan Jessup had been assigned the caretaker of these nine boys, and they had been banished from the FLDS community. They were accused of violation of FLDS rules. Of course, that's not hard to do uh, in the FLDS. Jessup's job was to reprogram the boys for the FLDS and to remove them from the main group because they might become competitors with the older men for the younger girls to become plural wives. Now, these nine boys were often moved back and forth uh, from several homes in different cities and sometimes this move took place these move moving times took place in the middle of the night one of the young boys name uh, Gabriel Barlow called it pretty crazy and he was only 14 years old when this craziness began Idaho child advocates are critical of the apparent return of at least some of these nine boys to their polygamous families who started the abuse they question if the reason is that Idaho doesn't want the responsibility of the expenses of defending the children by keeping them away from their abusive lifestyle in the FLDS polygamy group. An attorney who represents children in Idaho is reported as saying that the Idaho Health and Welfare Department has been more reluctant to open up child protection cases and quicker to close them because of the expenses. Evidently, the state seemed concerned that the FLDS parents would claim they were being discriminated against on the basis of their religion. Excuse me. 
Since when is abusing children part of their religion, and is it excusable? Uh, it's just <laughs> shocking that they would be returned. I, I'm just, I guess no one's speaking out when they, are they? Uh, not enough. Not, not, not enough. Not speaking nope. out. A and my question is, why did abusing children and removing human rights become an acceptable part of religious freedom? What happened to the rule of law when it comes to polygamy? It's just unbelievable. There was an article about this yeah. in the Salt Lake Tribune um, that kind of explains a little bit of this. I think that we will be quoting this. It will go up on the screen for you to be watching. Kind of interesting. Some officials lost their vision in regards to these kids and were swayed by a fear of the costs involved and the effort and time that it would have been necessary to ensure that these boys had a chance at a decent future. The boys deserved a chance to escape the tyranny of an evil prophet who will add their names to his long list of lost boys that, along with a little help from Idaho, will grow and grow and grow. And these lost boys scandal with the FLDS has been going on now for years and years, and, and like the article said, it just keeps on growing longer and longer. Nine more boys are added to the list through this event. And the tragedy of the FLDS boys have hurt many, many, many. People don't understand how many hundreds of boys of young boys through the years that this has affected. Boys who have been kicked out of their homes and families never to be seen again, some of them, just because they're in competition for the young girls in polygamy groups. Tragically, many child welfare agencies claim that religious beliefs and practices are not a basis for intervention. And that's the big problem, because the abused child is either unable or unwilling to come forward and bring any evidence of their abuse. Systematic abuse is normal in many polygamy groups. Some of them even teach the parents how to physically apply punishment to their children so they won't leave any marks or bruises, which would, of course would leave no evidence of the abuse. The kids are threatened with hellfire and damnation if they tell, so they refuse no proper protection and grow up to become abusers themselves, or they are kicked out with no resources or hope of making it in the outside world. And so our question is, when, since when do legal practices of these religions trump the law? And why is it allowed to continue? And why is it backed up and supported by our legal and our court systems? Silence is consent, isn't it? Well, it seems like it. And, and you wonder why the courts, uh, I mean, the abuse is commented on so often. and. <laughs> apparently known. I, I don't know how they can get away with uh, returning them to the these families. I, I don't know. That's their agenda and that's what they do. You know, we gleaned some of our information for, um, for this story uh, from the website www.idahostatejournal.com. One of these nine boys, Gabriel Barlow, told the story of how Warren Jeffs, after his father died, gave his mother to uh, Nathan Jessup, who already had 11 wives. He just takes them and reassigns them to another family. Now, Gabriel Barlow, this, the, the boy, also claims that his assigned stepfather, Nathan Jessup, married a 15-year-old girl, and he was 40 years old. 
He said that one time he was confined to one room for three months and was only allowed out to use the bathroom. He said he hasn't seen his mother in three years. They were closely watched and they were made to do forced labor, which was building homemade furniture that Jessup would sell, but he never would uh, pay the, those kids for any of their work. Barlow said that the punishments were cruel, that one night Jessup uh, locked one of the boys outside in sub-zero weather. The boy was wearing no warm clothing and no shoes, and luckily he was able to break a window and get back inside the building. There were beatings, there was forced starvation and mental cruelty, including the age-old threat. If they didn't obey, they would face eternal damnation. How many times do we hear that growing up in polygamy? Polygamous children are generally taught that everyone on the outside are bad and wicked people which makes it difficult for them to make the decision to leave polygamy for freedom on the outside world. So here we have these nine boys, each of them telling these stories, and, and they send them back. What, is he, are they not old enough to, uh, to, to be trusted with their story? I don't understand why they... Well, nine people, I mean yeah, nine... Yeah, you'd think nine not, testimonies would... Yeah, would stand up. It, it, it would, but they were underage, and so they go yeah. back to their families. We want all of our folks who are watching the show, whether you're young or old, if you're in a polygamy group, to know that there are good and bad people everywhere in the world. But all the people who are outside of your polygamy group are not bad and wicked people. In fact, every single person that we have helped or spoken with or interviewed who has left polygamy has confirmed that the people on the outside of their polygamy have been more loving, they have been <laughs> kinder, they've been more helpful and more honest with reality than those on the inside who lied to them about almost everything. And do we do hope that anyone who is thinking of or wanting to investigate the possibility and the process of leaving their, your polygamy group situation to give us a call. We'll talk with you about it. Confidentially, of course, we have a toll-free number. It's 877-425-9993. We can also introduce you to some people who have left polygamy and who now have a fulfilled and happy and satisfied life outside of their polygamy group. Well, we try to keep up on current events. There's always something going on, <laughs> and it's always uh, nerve-shattering when we get into it. When the LDS Church gave up polygamy in 1904, polygamous members of the Mormon Church would have none of their obvious apostasy, and so split-off groups were formed, and the Mormon Church experienced fragmentation. And as we discussed last week, that fragmentation <laughs> by itself proved that Joseph Smith led the people astray, because he said, as recorded in the Times and Season Mormon publication of March 1st, 1842, he said, believing that if God had a church, it would not be split up into factions. If God had a church and the yeah. Mormon church was split up into factions, so obviously it wasn't God's church because the Mormon church is split up into over 200 different factions. And each one of these different spin-offs have resulted from Smith's original organization. Many of them retained the principle of polygamy as essential for exaltation and eternal progression. And of course the results have been devastating and have left thousands of people through the years totally desolate.
On July 31st, we began a three-part series on the 10 creepiest polygamists in Mormon uh, history, Mormon polygamy. Last week, we got up to and included number four. So tonight, we'll present the top three worst polygamists who followed Mormon polygamy. Now, the idea came from a website that we received permission from its owner and to, to share the information on our show. We're not using the precise format they use, but we thank them for the per permission from Charity Christensen and uh, from the website uh, of the webmaster at this link. It should go up on the screen, listfirst.com. And they gave us our, their gracious permission to proceed with this idea on our show. We want to thank them for that. Now, these top ten polygamists, of course, are not exhaustive. Indeed, there no, are hundreds <laughs> of polygamous men who could have been inserted into the top ten. But there's been 175 years of Mormon polygamy going on, so there's been a lot of people that uh, could be candidates yeah. for this list. And the thought occurred to me as I was working through this information. Today is September 11th, 911, which is a memorable day, a memorable date, where so many people's lives were snuffed out and ruined because of religious terrorism. How appropriate to be talking about the top three polygamists who through their spiritual doctrine of spiritual wives have also ruined so many people's lives and has forced terror and pain into the lives of so many thousands of women and children since polygamy first began. We wonder why this kind of religious terrorism is acceptable. Also, 9-1-1 is the day that they did Mountain Meadows Massacre. In 1857. Where yeah. hundreds of women and children yeah. and and non-Mormon people were massacred. So that 9-1-1 is really um, a memorable date, date in yeah. this culture. Okay, last week we ended with number four. Tonight we'll finish the series beginning with number three. So the third runner-up for the 10 top worst polygamists is Warren Jeffs. Now Warren Jeffs took control of the FLDS polygamy group after his father, Ruland Jeffs, who was the previous po uh, prophet, passed away in 2000. Now, Warren Jeffs is probably the most notorious of the creepy polygamists yeah. because of the national attention that he's That's received right. through all of those atrocious acts and, and uh, the Texas compound, the YFC ranch in El Dorado when it was raided by the police in 2008. The raid turned up enough evidence to put him in prison for the rest of his life. When Warren Jeffs took over the leadership, he handed down increasingly bizarre requirements and he began to expel more and more members from the FLDS polygamy group. We just talked about the hundreds of yeah. boys that were expelled. He also began marrying younger and younger girls, some were as young as 12 years old, and he also assigned marriages of pre- puberty girls to other older men in the group. At the Texas compound, Warren built a huge white temple in which authorities found what they described as the rape bed, where he would consummate marriages to underage girls while other young girls were required to witness his sexual assault. They also found audio tapes with Warren Jeffs explaining to groups of young women why they were to have sex with him and how it should proceed. These audio tapes helped bring the guilty verdict in the eyes of the jury. Warren Jeffs is, is quoted as admitting that if people ever found out what he was doing, they would hang him from the highest tree. They, we know that he knew he was doing wrong. 
Warren Jeffs regularly expelled uh, men from the community and then reassigned their wives and families to other men. The FLDS are adamant in their belief that the men must practice the doctrine of celestial or plural marriage so they can earn exaltation in the celestial kingdom. Warren Jeffs taught that a faithful man must have at least three wives in order to get into heaven. And of course, the more wives a man has, the closer he is to heaven. And he is said to have sat somewhere between 80 and 100 wives himself. Warren Jeffs claimed that polygamy was the Mormon priesthood authority, which, by the way, most LDS don't know is precisely what Section 132 teaches. Listen carefully. The law of the priesthood is the practice of plural marriage. Verses 28, 58, 59, 61, and 64 of Section 132. And we're going to sample a couple, couple of, of these, these verses to show you what we mean. Verse 28. I am the Lord thy God, and will give unto thee the law of my holy priesthood, as was ordained by me and my father before the world was. So the context is the law of my holy priesthood. That's right. The law. Now section 132 is polygamy. Verse 61 says, and again, as pertaining to the law of the priesthood, if any man espouse a virgin, and desire to espouse another, and the first give her consent, and if he espouse the second, and they are virgins, and have vowed to no other man, then he is justified. He cannot commit adultery, for they are given unto him. For he cannot commit adultery with that that belongeth unto him and to no one else. Now at the beginning of this verse it says it's the law of the priesthood and yeah. he proceeds to explain taking many virgins as plural wives. <laughs> and then verse 64. Verse 64, and again verily, verily I say unto you, if any man have a wife who holds the keys of this power and he teaches unto her the law of my priesthood as pertaining to these things, then shall she believe and administer unto him or she shall be destroyed saith the Lord your God, for I will destroy her. So live polygamy or be destroyed. The law of the priesthood's polygamy, be destroyed if you don't. Now that's not temple marriage. No. God's not going to destroy anybody that doesn't have temple marriage, but he threatened it with polygamy. The thing that people should really realize, and I know it's it, we're reading it, I hope people are paying attention, but at the verse 28 it says, I am the Lord thy God. And in verse 64, it says, Thus saith the Lord your God. This is God talking, not Joseph Smith's idea. This is what Joseph Smith is saying. God is, is saying. He's saying God said. And can you imagine right. him saying this kind of yeah. stuff? Like, Well, God would never really no. say anything no, like that, of course. Of course. But, but I don't think that the, they realize that. Now, the polygamists know the law of the priesthood is polygamy. They no. know it because they read this correctly. But contextually, plural marriage is the priesthood of Joseph Smith's Mormonism as discussed at length in section 132. So, the second runner-up of our list oh, is... Oh, I'm pleased to discuss <laughs> Mr. Brian David Mitchell. He had one follower, his one and only wife. However, this couple became famous for abducting Elizabeth Smart to begin their polygamy. She was just 14 years old when she was kidnapped to be his second virgin wife in polygamy. This is almost a mere view of Joseph Smith taking a 14-year-old Helen Mar Kimball as a plural wife. Not a lot of difference. Yeah. The Mitchells didn't take Elizabeth very far, although they did go to California. But I think Elizabeth tricked him, or at least uh, the discussion is, is that she tricked him into coming back to Salt Lake so he could get more young hmm. girls. And that was to get her back closer to, to home. To get her and get her back close. That was yeah. her, her, her decision. 
They kept Elizabeth subdued by threatening to kill her family if she tried to escape. Mrs. Mitchell kept watch and brainwashed Elizabeth while her husband's quest toward godhood inspired him to rape Elizabeth almost daily. I'm sure m many of us have heard this story mm -hmm. and know how sad it is. It and is. What a wonderful ending, though. But sexual yeah. abuse is a huge part of polygamous culture, and the rape is not isolated in polygamy. The missing child posters for Elizabeth Smart were placed all over the city. Everyone was looking for her, yet she was hidden in plain sight. Kidnapping a girl and dressing her in a burqa makes it easy to walk around the city unquestioned, which is exactly what happened when she showed up at a house party attended by hundreds of people. She was there, hidden in plain sight. Only later, after Elizabeth Smart was found and re rescued, was the full story known, and Mitchell and his wife were arrested. He's been sentenced to life in prison in a Tucson prison, and... Um, and that's all. That's <laughs> he was in, <laughs> but he's that's in Tucson for the rest of his life. Like and, Warren Jeffs. Uh, you need to go. Uh, there's actually you can look his name up on website and get a, a whole two-hour interview that he had with the FBI, and it's it's quite strange and mm -hmm. bizarre. It he is was very a mainstream bizarre. Mormon, mm -hmm. and then decided to. You know that there there a lot of mainstream Mormons get into their history and realize that they're not doing what Joseph Smith said God told them to do and join polygamy groups. Yeah. That happened. That is not unusual for yeah. that to happen. And again, I ask the question, why do the LDS deny their own history? <laughs> so we have the number one position now, something I'm sure that all our viewers have been waiting breathlessly for, for since July 31st, Can right? Can a drum roll? <laughs> <laughs> the number one position, of course, is going to excite, no doubt, a furious response from many of our viewers, but truth must be told. So let's present number one of the top ten worst polygamists, and he is the source of Mormon polygamy, Joseph Smith. Now, Joseph Smith is the founder of the Mormon Church and the one who started the whole mess and practice of Mormon polygamy. Mormon and polygamists alike believe Joseph Smith was a true prophet and spoke directly with God. But history proves he was simply a master forger, a con artist, and a prodigious polygamist, and he lied about it. Now, this is historical. I know there's angry viewers out there, but this is history. If you check it out, you'll find the truth articles and letters of testimony at the time reveal excuse me that joseph smith left a trail of angry men because he had tried to have sex with their daughters or his or their wives or both he was almost castrated at one time for that very reason but the surgeon didn't have the heart to go through with the plan instead he was tarred and feathered and run out of town now we're not saying that this is the right thing to do we're just telling you the historical events and reasons behind the events joseph smith wasn't persecuted because he was a prophet he was persecuted because he had proved untrustworthy with his, uh, the wives and the daughters of the men around him. Even though he preached that polygamy was the only way to the celestial kingdom, he publicly denied practicing it. He secretly multiplied wives to himself, and two of his wives were only 14 years old. One-third of his plural wives were teenagers, and one-third were wives of other living men. The live had their own husband, and Joseph Smith took them. He also married older women, then used them to recruit young girls for more plural wives. Elizabeth Durfee was one of those women. She was 51 years old when Joseph Smith took her for a plural wife. She was legally married to Jabez Durfee at the same time. We quote from In Sacred Loneliness, 
by Mormon historian Todd Compton on page 260, and we quote, As a mother in Israel, one of the older women who taught younger women the principles of polygamy. Now, this older woman is identified as Elizabeth, as Durfee. Elizabeth Durfee. And on page 262, we quote, she continued in her capacity as an older plural wife, facilitating Smith's marriages to younger wives. Okay, so two of these young wives that Elizabeth Durfee facilitated for Joseph Smith were sisters Emily and Eliza Partridge. The worst of all this about Joseph Smith and the other top ten polygamous men is that they perpetrated these atrocious, abusive, and illegal acts while claiming that God told them to do it. Now, we hear contemporary apologists and historians making excuses for Joseph Smith's behavior, and they say, we don't know why God told Joseph Smith to do these things, but they were only for a season, and we no longer do them. How they can excuse this activity. Of course, Joseph said that a, a sword was drawn or something, and a, an angel came and mm -hmm. forced him to do it. And forced him to do yeah. it, right. Yeah. Of course, this is a deceitful statement, and it's a rotten excuse for what he did, because God does not change his mind, nor is God the author of adultery that early Mormons called polygamy. A couple of quotes from, from the Bible about God not changing his mind. Numbers 23:19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. And from 1 Samuel 15:29, he who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. So, God doesn't change his mind. If polygamy was the right thing to do, we should be doing it today. Yep. If it was right then, it's right now. If it's wrong now, it was wrong then. Even clear back to Abraham, That's it right. was wrong because God instituted monogamy. And Joseph Smith must have the greatest responsibility of all those after him because he claimed God gave him a revelation to live polygamy, which was nothing more, nothing less than religious sanctioned adultery and sexual promiscuity for the men. God does not contradict himself, and those who know the true God of the Bible will know without any doubt that he never commanded polygamy for Joseph Smith or for anyone else. Joseph Smith's wife, Emma, hated polygamy. But where there's a will, there's a way. And Joseph Smith's will was 33 wives long, so he claimed God sent him a personal revelation to help convince Emma to accept his sexual promiscuity or be destroyed. Doctrine and Covenants section 132.54 says, And I command my handmaid, Emma Smith, to abide and cleave unto my servant Joseph and to none else. But if she will not abide this commandment, plural marriage, mm -hmm. she shall be destroyed, saith the Lord, for I am the Lord thy God, and will destroy her if she abide not in my law. So here we have his law is polygamy. Yeah. If she doesn't do it, she will be destroyed. If she doesn't okay this, she'll be destroyed. But what I find very interesting here is it was Joseph Smith who was destroyed. Emma lived to be the age, died <laughs> at the age of, what, 74 years old, I think. So that, that, that threat turned back on Joseph Smith's own head. And the law referred to, of course, in Section 132 is uh, the law of polygamy that he made up. Uh, Joseph Smith's polygamy, of course, is the priesthood law, and if that wasn't bad enough, he called polygamy the new and everlasting covenant. But there's only one new and everlasting covenant, and it is Jesus' death on the cross. 
But Joseph Smith said it was celestial marriage. So we have a dilemma here. Are we going to believe Joseph Smith or Jesus Christ? There is only one new and everlasting covenant. Is it the biblical one or is it Doctrine and Covenants 132? It cannot be both. He called plural marriage an essential for eternal life. But in reality, the only essential is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You can see why we are so against the doctrine of plural marriage or celestial marriage as defined by Joseph Smith. The only new and everlasting covenant is Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. If we want eternal life, we must enter into that covenant and no other because there is no other covenant from God in which we can enter. So that ends the top ten worst uh, polygamists. Now, section 132, I think it was written in 19, 1843. Is that true? In, in I know in the introduction right. it mentions that this law of polygamy may have been known as early as 1831. Mm -hmm. how, did, how did he justify to anyone else reading this, and maybe it wasn't till 1843, just before he died, but uh, to take women that weren't virgins, how did that uh, That's work? a good question. In fact, that's one thing that Lee Baker, that really bothered him, is <laughs> that he wasn't even following his own rules that he yeah. wrote down because how he was marrying other women that were married to other men. Certainly were not virgins. And, right, yeah. right. So that's a good question. Not and you. Not to mention that Emma didn't have an opportunity to say no. Right. I mean, that was her consent wasn't even asked for, never asked for except her for at one point. But um, all of the polygamy groups, every one of the polygamy groups, do not honor that consent, and they don't honor the virgin. The virgin. Mm -mm. Neither one, none of them do, and yet they have to follow section one thirty-two. Make up their own rules. They, huh? Yeah, they just get to make it up as they go. Well, we are going to open up our telephones right now and take our break. Our telephone number is eight zero one nine seven three eight eight two zero. Uh, 801-973-TV20. We'd like to hear from you. If you'd like to enter the conversation, make some comments or ask some questions. And so we are going to show, I think, our clip from our Home for Hagar DVD. The night of my wedding was the saddest day of my life. Either you live polygamy or you're gonna go to hell. And I would wish somebody would come and kidnap me and take me away. I had no idea what polygamy was actually going to be like. Dear God, help me get out. All these men did whatever they wanted to all these women in my life, and sometimes me. I was given as a third wife to a man that I'd hated since I was nine. And I couldn't do what I would think about it. I was born here, in the land of the free, a slave in a polygamous cult. And my story is not unique. Tragically, too many heartbreaking stories are never made public and they remain untold. We are talking about tens of thousands of lives held captive by this cruel system of religious polygamy. And it is a living nightmare for those who want to get out and can't. I, like other polygamous children, did not have a choice in marriage. I had my free agency to do what I was told or suffer the consequences. That's not a choice. 
Polygamy forces young girls into marriage because the supply of women gets depleted quickly. They are treated and considered as commodities. I married our prophet, Joel LeBaron's younger brother, Verlin, when I was just past my 15th birthday. I became his sixth wife. He was 38. If the public was educated about what really goes on in polygamy, they would realize that these women are literally in bondage. I wanted to run, I wanted to leave. And by the time I really got the courage to leave, I found out I was pregnant and felt like I couldn't. And with each one that was born, I hated myself because I brought another child into slavery. I was now trapped. And uh, the bondage of my motherhood was now gonna keep me there. And I would hold my baby and cry and tell her, what kind of a mommy have you got? You will be a slave all your life, just like me, and I brought you into this world. I prayed every day, dear God, help me get out, but help me get out with my children. A Shield and Refuge ministry draws its mission from Isaiah 61, to bring good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, and to declare the Lord's favor to those who have only heard of His anger and rejection. The challenge before us is to have a safe place for refugees to go. You can't even imagine how different my life would have been if that had existed for me. But we know that God has not called us to undertake this task alone. We need help. And he's putting together a team to make this facility a reality. We are calling this safe house the Hagar home. In honor of a young, helpless girl who fled polygamy thousands of years ago, and in recognition of the great God who saw her and cared for her and still sees and cares for polygamous refugees today, then they too will be able to heal and grow strong and move forward in life with hope and confidence. Together we can bring good news to those who suffer, gently calm those who live in fear, and declare freedom to those modern-day Hagars of contemporary Mormon fundamentalism. Welcome back to our show, Polygamy, What Love Is This? You've just watched a clip from our new DVD, The Home for Hagar, and how we're going forward in our next uh, por portion of our vision of helping polygamists who want to leave their polygamous lifestyle and really don't have the resources or a place to go, especially those with large families. So uh, you can get a DVD by going to the website, homeforhagar.org, and, or you can go to our whatloveisthis.tv website and, and make your way into that website and order the DVDs. You can order a few and give them to friends or if you want anyone to come and speak to your organization about this, we would love to talk to you about that and make the arrangements. You know, uh, tonight with uh, co-host Earl Erskine, we've been talking about contemporary news on uh, polygamy groups, what's going on, and also um, 
about the, the final three of our top ten worst polygamists. And the men we presented tonight were all self-proclaimed prophets who based their polygamous teachings and practices on the early Mormon church doctrine. It's all there in uh, the Mormon church history. However, through the years, 175 years of Mormonism, and polygamy never ending, Mormon polygamy never ending, even though the church gave it up, polygamy groups didn't. There are hundreds and hundreds of people who could have fit in this top ten category, and we didn't want to let this go by without at least three dishonorable mentions. And so we're going to mention them right now. The first dishonorable mention is Heber C. Kimball. He had 45 wives. He gave his 14-year-old daughter to Joseph Smith when he was 37 years old, more than twice her age. And he is the one, Heber C. Kimball, who claimed that he thought no more of taking another wife than he thought of buying a cow. So maybe he should get a special gold star for that one. <laughs> and number two. Number two is Orson Pratt. At first he didn't like polygamy, but he changed his mind and became a strong supporter of it. However, during one particular courting of a new young wife in Salt Lake City, another wife who was a new mother was starving to death in Tooele. Orson Pratt didn't even take care of the starving family. And the, she, uh, she died from this. That, that wife died because wow. he didn't take care of her. He was out courting for that's right, and Getting she was a new mother. I think the baby was six weeks old when the mother died. Wow. And number three of our top, our top three dishonorable mentions is J.O. Kingston, the second leader of the Kingston polygamy group. He wanted to produce a master race of Kingstons. He wanted everyone in the group to have the Kingston bloodline, so it was he who introduced incest into the Kingston polygamy group. He patterned polygamous marriages after cattle breeding practices, and many lives have been ruined as a result of this incest. And we ask again, how many more lives must be ruined before something is done about religious polygamy? Well, our phone lines are open and we've got callers waiting oh, right now. Good. So let's take, the first one is Yvonne from Evanston. Hello, Yvonne. Hello, is this Doris? This is Doris. Hi, I just have a question for you. Okay. Um, my mom passed away about seven years ago. And I just heard a couple of weeks ago that they said that my mom would be married to somebody because she was not married when she died. Is that true? No. It's a myth. There's, Jesus told us very clearly that there are no marriages in heaven. None. Right, but, but the church, my, my um, nephew told me when he did my mom's temple work after she died, that they married her to someone because she wasn't married. Did they do that in the temple work? Well, you they, would know that. They sealed them, presumably, to their their husband. I don't think they just indiscriminately picked someone to put her with. Had her husband passed away earlier? No, she was divorced. Well, they, that divorce doesn't matter to the LDS. They'll go ahead and uh, marry that person or seal that person to the original husband. So I guess that... I, because the family assumes that, uh, uh, binding or not, but they'll have at least that choice to join up with their former husband in the, 
in the hereafter. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. That's not good. Her first husband was a terrible oh, man. Oh, oh hey. <laughs> in reality, <laughs> sir, in reality, it isn't true anyway. Because the Bible is very clear that there is no marriages in heaven, that, that death ends the law of marriage. That's what the Bible teaches. So don't worry about it. She's not with that person she doesn't like. Okay, well, thank you, Doris, and I wanted to let you know, I love your program. I've been watching for about three years, and God has really given me a heart for the polygamy, and I pray for them all the time, and I'm also sending a contribution for the Hager House. Well, thank you very much. How kind of you. We appreciate that. Okay. Okay. Good night. Good night. Good evening. You too. Good night. That's sweet. Oh, that was a nice, yeah. And, th- and that's the problem, you know. Uh, they worry about what takes place in the temple, uh, which is totally unbiblical, the things yeah. they're doing there. Uh, and yet it isn't, it's opposite of what Jesus taught. Opposite. Yeah. So there, there's no, yeah, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I had an aunt that uh, was going to do the temple work for her brother, and um, <laughs> she she wouldn't marry the two together they'd both passed and she wouldn't marry the two together because she knew how much her brother hated her his wife but she now passed away and then some of the other family went ahead and married them together anyway so <laughs> Dude, against, yeah it's amazing everybody's isn't it? will it's so. it's amazing okay yeah. line two we have anonymous calling from Salt Lake City hello you're on the air how are you Doris it's nice talking to you I'm great thanks Yes, I had a question. I'm an older gentleman, and uh, when I was uh, growing up, I became a Mormon for a period of time, and I uh, heard a lot of stuff about the Mormon Church, about, you know, uh, polygamy, racism, and all this stuff with Brigham Young and all this stuff, and I thought it was, uh, I, I, I couldn't believe it. And then I became a Mormon, and I found out that it was real. <laughs> yeah. And I loved the church. Yeah, it was kind of a course in there. But what really kind of amazes me is that uh, we have mainline Christian or born-again Christian or people that are charismatic or whatever going along with the Mormon Church over politics. We have, uh, like this gentleman that ran for president, uh, speaking in uh, to colleges and uh, to so-called born-again Christian people and uh, uh, are not repulsed by their doctrine. And... Uh, you know, if they were, and they would come against it, like they're supposed to uh, contend for the faith, then we wouldn't have this problem. And what you're doing is absolutely wonderful, enlightening people. And Mr. Erskine, I really appreciate what he's doing, because if we're not saved by grace through faith, then hell's our eventual end. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's clear. salvation is very, very important. We have to have that uh, to be with God. Yeah. And to see, to read the obituaries every Sunday and see all these people that passed away, and even though they were wonderful people, they're going to hell. And that should be an urgency. It is an urgency, definitely is. And, uh, and I why agree with you. the mainline Christian people not stand up for 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not politically correct. And, you know, next week we are going to be doing a show about this. And basically we are going to do the, our show is going to be based on Jude 3, where it says we, we're go, where we are supposed to contend for the faith. And that's what we do here. Regardless of the names that we're called, we still do exactly that because that's what goal. And there is an urgency. People who die without the true Jesus die into an eternity without anything yeah. good ever. I appreciate what you're doing right now and everything else, but I, I, am t I watch uh, this channel and I see other people saying, well, the Mormons are good. Well, nobody's good. We're all sinners and we fall That's short right. of the glory of God. We're all sinners. You know, God's goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. It says that in, the, you know, in Psalms. Mm -hmm. But it's His goodness. It's His mercy. And it's not by works that we're saved. It's a free gift of God. Exactly. And if it works is religion, and religion, the end of religion is bitterness and depression. Well, thank you for your call. Appreciate your comments, and they're right on. Yeah. God bless you. Thank you. Good night. Okay, there's an off-air comment that was made. I'm, uh, I'm reading that who said, the person said that emotional abuse is as damaging as physical abuse, leaving unseen scars. And that is so true. Believe me, I know that. <laughs> I've seen it. I experienced it. It was only Jesus who healed me. Um, and emotional abuse can go with you forever if, the, if you don't get the healing that you need after. And that is another one of the problems that we face when we deal with people out of polygamy groups. There's so much emotional uh, abuse and scarring that has taken place. Okay, we have on line three, Wendy from West Jordan. Hello, Wendy. Hello. You're on the air, Wendy. Hello, Dora. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. I have a, a situation here. I have a 22-year-old daughter who all of a sudden, out of the blue, meets a, a co-worker and is now engaged, and it just so happens that he comes from a polygamous family. Hmm. He believes in plural marriage, and you can only imagine how horrified I'm feeling. Yes. A little lost, not really sure how to handle the situation without losing my daughter forever. I'm looking for a little... Advice. Now, how old is your daughter? 22. And then the man she's engaged to is how old? He is 24 or 25. Does he have another wife now? He does not have a wife now, but he sure intends to have one. Um, I think, Wendy, if you, would, uh, if you would want to, I think we need to get together privately and perhaps discuss this and, and uh, discuss how we can best approach her. That won't turn her off, but something that would make her think. You know, we are, we are absolutely open to that. As a matter of fact, I just kind of feel like it's a blessing. We just watch in a door from having dinner. I turn the TV on. Your program was in session. It was like... Wow. Yeah. We, we, we would definitely be open to that. If you would leave your telephone number with the operator, don't hang up until she comes back on. Get the phone number. I'll call you, and we can talk about this. That would be wonderful. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Wendy, for calling. Good night. I guess wow. it's admirable that he's been up front about his in interest in polygamy. Otherwise, you walk into that totally blind. And I've seen that happen. Where to hide, hide their true They find intentions. out after they're married that they're married to a man who's in a polygamy group. Oh that, that's happened, yes. Yeah. Okay, Carolyn calling from Kearns. Hello, Carolyn, you're on the air. Hi, Doris. Hello. Um, I don't know if this is going to follow your subject for tonight, but I've been a transplant from California, and I've been here for several years. 
and it just absolutely blows my mind. Cultural shock. <laughs> yeah, really, what the LDS people actually have people believing. And what I wanted to ask you about is several, several years ago, and I can't even tell you how I found out, but I can't remember, but there was a movie out called The Godmakers. And I was wondering if you had ever heard anything about it. It was made by a company called Pagan Productions, and they did documentary-type stories on uh, all different religions, different offshoot religions, and they did, like, a story on witches and, you know, why Halloween shouldn't be uh, celebrated. But this one I saw called The Godmakers, it was really unkind to the LDS Church. And at the time, I remember them speaking about the pentagrams that are on the temple, and this one in particular piece was talking about President Hinckley. And at the time, he wasn't president. But they, they had, like, I think it was like four people that witnessed saying that there's a place, I think it said, is in an area in Salt Lake called Indian Hills, that there was a house up there and that Hinckley would go up there and young boys were brought up there for well, him. You know, Carolyn, and I wonder if you'd ever heard of that movie. Carolyn, that, that, I've heard of the movie that has nothing to do with the show, and, and th those remarks about Hinckley I think is just totally out of place. Um, right. uh, and, and it has nothing to do with our show either. Yes, I've heard of the, the Godmakers. Uh, I have seen it. Have you seen I it? I haven't seen it, no. It is pretty it's much... I, have, yes. it's, it's, I think it was done in the 70s or so. A long time it? ago, yeah. but it was accurate pretty much in what the, uh, what the Mormons believe. I was taught the things that they were, that they were in that DVD. But uh, as far as all this other stuff, I think we're getting a little off on a rabbit trail as uh, regarding the focus of this show. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> I was just wondering if you've heard it or if you have you ever watched it? The Godmakers, yes. I just said that we had seen it. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well I just wanted to ask because it just kind of blows my mind. Thanks for taking my call. Okay, thanks for calling, Carolyn. Thank you. Uh -huh. It is a cultural shock. It's even a cultural shock for Mormons who are converted and probably polygamists too, but Mormons that are converted in the out you know, in South America and Mm -hmm. Europe, and then they come here to yeah. America and start learning what Mormonism is truly about, mm -hmm. and it, it is yep. shocking. It is, very much so. We have a call from Ogden. He, his name is Anonymous. <laughs> You're on the air. Hello. Hello, how are you? Uh, just great, thank you. What's your question? Is this Doris? This is Doris. Hi, yes, I'm calling about uh, the Church of the Firstborn, uh, Arvin Shreve. I don't know if you ever got into... Uh, he's uh, pretty creepy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you familiar with that case and I, what happened I, up here in North Ogden? I'm familiar with, with some of it, yes. I didn't do research of it, uh, of it for the show, but I'm familiar with it a little. Okay, I was just curious how far and how long that uh, continued on. My understanding is it went on for three generations. Was it a polygamous group? If you had any further knowledge. Well, and they, they um, I probably don't have any more knowledge than you've got, sir, but it was where there was a lot of uh, uh, children involved mm -hmm. in sexual abuse, which is part of, part and parcel of polygamy. So, but I don't think I can give any more information than what you know about it, okay. but we could well, do... Thank you, for, thank you very much for taking the call. Thank you. 
we could probably do a little research on that, maybe present him as, as an exception yeah. to uh, our, our 10. I thought it was funny um, last week when we uh, identified all these people naming their church after Jesus Christ. Yeah. So Church of the Firstborn, I guess uh, that might not well, qualify. But. That one wouldn't qualify, <laughs> but Church of the Firstborn, the LeBarons used that, but they also said of Jesus Christ. Jesus, so, yeah. and, and yet, of course, that throws away the idea that with the, the LDS claimed that the, because Jesus the Christ is in the name of the church, that it's a true church. That doesn't prove a thing. No. Absolutely so that, doesn't. Um, we only have a few minutes left, and I, I thought we would read an email that we got after last week's show, um, th the call that I had to disconnect. Oh, yes. So let's read that email just so our viewers will yeah, know where the, we're at. The last one there. Thank uh -huh. you for having the courage. The fellow who called in to rebuke you, did you see? Oh, no, let me see. Oh, okay. Uh, so it was the show from last week. The fellow who called in to rebuke you and Earl said the LDS is a Christ-centered church. You set him straight very well, and you could have crushed him with which, with which Christ are you following. This is sad to listen to the callers when one after another have gotten together to try and set you straight. They have no idea they are mind-controlled, and they cannot bend the truth with you. Your show is excellent. The shows are excellent. So that is our caller last week. I know we usually get a lot of people who complain when I disconnect somebody. You won't disconnect anybody who, dis who agrees with you, but you <laughs> will to ask everybody that disagrees with you. And that isn't true. No. Uh, and I'll talk about that in my closing comments tonight. But I just thought it was interesting that we did get, yeah. uh, for once, <laughs> yeah. I, I got a good email because of my disconnecting. Uh, and the thing is, they are mind controlled. Would you? You've been there. Uh -huh. I've been there. The mind control is is. It's, it's a blindness. I, you know, I, we didn't intentionally think of, of mind control, but we are blind. Mm -hmm. We just simply are blind. We're not seeing. We're not looking. We're not thinking. Mm -hmm. The brethren talk. We obey. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. That's all it is. And, and you're told, we were told, and I know I've read quotes from the, from the LDS, early Mormon LDS, where when, when the, the brethren speak, your thinking's been done yeah. for you. Yeah, and, and don't, don't do this. Don't check it out. You don't need to because we've already done it for you. So, yeah. uh, so it gets a little bit disconcerting <laughs> when people uh, don't check it and out for so themselves. Blind, yeah. They are so blind, and the, it tells us in the Bible, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 and 4, that the veil covers their hearts and minds, and until they turn to Christ, that yeah. veil will not be removed. And yeah. that's the veil we're talking about. And it isn't that we dislike the people of this culture. I know a lot of Mormons. I know a lot of polygamous people who are wonderful people. We are not saying bad things about the people, but we are saying the doctrine is unbiblical, and the doctrine will lead you on that broad road that Jesus said ends in destruction. And we just want you to check it out. And if we didn't care, we wouldn't even do this show and take the, the, a lot of the <laughs> verbal abuse that we take because of it. But we do care, and uh, we want you to check out the truth. So thanks for, for uh, helping out tonight, Earl, again. Happy, happy to do it. And, and <laughs> so... Um, closing comments last week 
uh, talking about John from Wyoming, the person I disconnected, he called and during our conversation proceeded to excuse the behavior of the early Mormon leaders, specifically Joseph Smith. And I had already announced that we love to talk to those who disagree with us, but if they don't show enough courtesy to allow for a two-way conversation, we will disconnect them. And that's precisely what he did, so that's what I did. And I didn't do it to be rude, but our TV airtime is precious, and we're not here to supply airtime supporting Mormon doctrine. We will discuss it, but we won't supply telephone time to support it, and that's what our caller was doing. We will discuss and compare differences, but we will not support diatribe. Any false gospel, and anyone who brings a false gospel is not allowed on this show. It could result in confusion for many. Galatians 1, 7 through 9 says, Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. That's serious. None of this gospel of this culture measures up to the already revealed gospel of Jesus Christ. Our gospel is plain and simple. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and on the third day he came out of the grave alive and we are saved by his grace alone. And those who apply ordinances and laws and rituals and marriage to his gospel have rejected the truth and so they cannot be saved. And it's the truth that we want you to hear. Thanks for watching and good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.